Want to get the edge with your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle have teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data for all the Premier League matches each game week. You combine betting market data with InfoGoal's performance data to try and find Pinnacle customers' value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Welcome to EPL Insights with data provided by InfoGoal. It's game week 38 of the Premier League season. We are just about there. Gareth Wheeler, and welcome back to Jake Osgathorpe for the final edition of the podcast this season. Uh, He's now a father, so he's not going to get let a lack of sleep or, or anything else get in his way. He's dedicated to give you his top picks and prognostications to bring this Premier League season home. How are things going on the home front, Jake? Good to see you. Yeah, good to be back. Things going very well. Um, yeah, she, she's been very good so far. She's growing fast already. I can't believe it's been five weeks. But yeah, she's, um, she, you know, she's very excited. And I'll tell you why. You'll know I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan. Uh-huh. But the first game that we actually watched together was the ridiculous comeback against Peterborough. Now, in my all my years of, of supporting Sheffield Wednesday, I've never seen us do something like that. Um, and she won't remember it, but she saw it. So that's it now. She's a Sheffield Wednesday fan for life. She's hooked. Amazing. See, when my son was born a year ago, things went in the opposite direction. I'm a massive Manchester United supporter. And they just had one of the worst seasons on record in recent history. So (laughs) I was kind of blaming him, but things have come back around as he continues to grow. Uh, But glad to have you back. Really thrilled for you and your wife and that everything's going well on the home front. And the good thing about having a child as well is there's a lot of time at home and a lot of time watching football. So I know that you've been keeping up to speed and I'm looking forward to hearing uh, some of your viewpoints as we head into the final week of the season where... Everything is not settled. Uh, There's still going to be two other teams joining Southampton being relegated. We'll go through the entire fixture list for this upcoming Sunday as the Premier League season for 2022-2023 comes to an end. But before we look forward, we're going to take a little bit of a look back, take a stroll down memory lane as to what happened over the course of this season. And before the season began, uh, the Pinnacle provided an EPL table prediction. So based upon how many points uh, each and every team picked up in 21 and 22, um, and, and based upon the, the data and the analytics involved, they came up with some numbers of where we believed uh, each side would finish in the Premier League table and on how many points. Uh, there's been some notable jumps in terms of teams overperforming their initial predictions and some teams absolutely falling short. Most notably, uh, I mean, the top four was predicted to be Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs. Only one of those sides is going to finish in the top four, and that's the title winners in Manchester City. Yeah, it's wild. With Manchester United predicted to be fifth, Arsenal sixth, Newcastle seventh, all making big jumps forward. Leicester City was picked to finish ninth, on 51.5 projected points, there's been a massive drop off there. And 
You can also say that Fulham, who are predicted to be relegated at the start of the season, they're going to finish in the top half of the table. And Brighton's made a massive leap as well, predicted to only pick up 48.5 points in 10th place. Uh, and now they are looking at Europa League football next year. What do you garner from this? Some of the movers, some of the teams that did well, some of the teams that struggle. And overall, what can a better do or how can they utilize these numbers maybe to project or use them going forward? Um, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. I mean, like you said, there's so many complete um, miss, misses, effectively, hasn't there been for the, this season? Like one team from the top four managed to get in there. That's crazy. Um, we've had we've seen a couple of seasons like this, haven't we, where the so called establishment have, have not really shown up. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's always difficult to project. I mean, there's so many factors to take in into account, you know, you've got the potential managerial switches like Tuchel, for example, at Chelsea. I mean, they sacked him after six games and I think they were, you know, about eighth in the table. So it wasn't like they were where they are now and then sacked him. So anyone who projected Chelsea top four, that was kind of, you know, tear it up and start again, getting rid of a, a world-class manager. Um, you've got European football to factor in as well when you're doing these kind of things, you know, playing Thursday nights. I know Man United have done a great job this season uh, of balancing those Thursday night uh, slots as alongside finishing the top four. Um, and then the big elephant in the room really was Newcastle, wasn't it? Last summer, it was, what are they going to be? How good are they going to be? They didn't go mental spending. They just they did smart things, smart business, and made themselves a strong team um, and, you know, deservedly finishing in the top four. I mean, if you compare that uh, projected table to how the table currently stands on expected points, um, you know, you've got Man City top, Newcastle second, Arsenal third. You've got Brighton fourth on expected mm. points. So, uh, and it, you know and they, that that four is that solid. No one's going to jump in on the final day because Brighton are well clear of Liverpool in in fifth. Um, so yeah, the, you know again, it just shows you that money isn't everything in football. You know you've seen Brighton in particular completely punching above their weight when it comes to the transfer dealings and and the way in which they go about their business. You see Brentford do similar. I mean, we'll talk about them in a bit, but they've got an outside chance of finishing seventh and getting European football as well, which would be an incredible achievement. Um, and it would, to be honest, it just round off a really, really fantastic season that's been unpredictable at top and bottom. Um, you know, Bournemouth were projected to finish bottom by Pinnacle. Uh, we had them finishing bottom as well at Infogol. Um, They actually have picked up the fewest expected points this season, so they have been fortunate to to survive. But, you know, the, the, the last six, seven matches they've put in have been really fantastic. And, um, yeah, quite a few upsets here and there, and I think that's why... We love the Premier League, isn't it? It's, it is Absolutely. apart from Man City winning it every year, it's unpredictable. <laughs> right. And financial fair play might have a say in the way that we approach What's that. that? Uh, What's like, financial fair play? No idea. It matters for some clubs, and it's just a myth. It's like the Loch Ness monster for others. Uh, it's the <laughs> first time since 2017, 2018 that all three promoted clubs stayed in the division. I had to tear up my futures play, Nottingham Forest being relegated. That's in the bin. That was I one told of my. You. I know. I just, I didn't think it would come together. And Steve Cooper deserves a lot of credit. <laughs> I thought I was locked into that play. Uh, th that was one of my missteps over the course of the yeah. year. But get, getting more into, you know, the projected numbers, can you use those numbers going forward? So if a team completely overachieves in terms of where they're projected, um, is there anything for the following season? Is regression natural here based upon history? Or do you prefer to look at, uh, look at the expected table 
and, and what that means. How do you approach these numbers and how can our betters um, better use, utilize those numbers to kind of figure out what they want to do next? Yeah, so I generally would use the expected table and look at um, expected points. So that expected points is effectively, it's a way of calculating what percentage chance each team had of winning each individual game based on the chances created in that game. So um, if you're winning the XG battle 2XG to 0.5 every week, then you're going to be picking up around 2.7 expected points. Um, likewise, if you lose it, you're going to be losing it by that money, you're going to pick up around 0.3. So it, it's... You know, it's a it, it's a better gauge of understanding in general over the totality of the season and who's been the better side in individual matches. Um, and yeah, you get a lot of overperformers, you get a lot of underperformers. Um, so I did a little bit of digging uh, throughout the Infogol or historic data goes back to 2014, um, and there were 23 teams that overperformed their expected points tally by 10 or 10 or more, and combined um so as an average they the, the the points that they accumulated from season a to season b dropped by 13 um so the following the season following an overperformance they picked up 13 fewer points on average than they did uh the season of the overperformance which is like you said regression um and that also accumulated to um a drop of 3.3 positions as well so yeah generally it's not a very good sign um that the a team that overperforms by 10 expected points or more. There's some huge, you know, outliers in here that we have to factor in. Obviously, Chelsea, when they won the league in um in 14-15, picked up 87 points. The following season, if you remember, it was a complete catastrophe. Um, they finished 10th and picked up 50 points. So they were 37 points worse off. Um, they overperformed their expected points by 17 in the title winning season. Um, and likewise, Liverpool, who when they won the title in 1920, a massive outlier as well picked up 99 points in the following season. They picked up just 69, so a 30-point drop-off. Um, and they overperformed in the title-winning season by 28 points when it comes to the expected points. So it's never a good sign. It does catch up with you. Um, <clears throat> this season, if you want any flags for next season as to potentially what could happen, you've got Arsenal in there. They've overperformed their expected points by 13. City and United have overperformed theirs by 11. Um and Fulham, I think Fulham are the interesting one for me because they've overperformed their expected points by 11 as well. Um, and generally, looking down the list, most of the teams that have overperformed their expected points are the established top six. Now, they're never going to get relegated. They do see a drop-off in terms of, you know, if they finish second, for example, with Man United and then finish sixth the following season. Um, but the teams that we have seen, so last, se last season was Leicester. Leicester was the one that was flagged up last season. They picked up 52 points, finished eighth, overperform their expected points by 10.4 and this season they are on track to be relegated also uh, the season before Everton 10th finished 16th the following season so it is generally a good indicator as to you know where teams are kind of trending where that regression will hit they won't get as much fortune and, and Fulham definitely a team that have had that fortune you know they've shown bits haven't they where they've looked really good like a solid team but over the course of the heat season they've been very fortunate to finish where they have which is currently 10th uh overperforming their expected points by 11. so one to watch maybe for relegation next season obviously all these can change because signings can be made you know um that, that can improve it's particularly Fulham a club like that's got a lot of money um and i would say the same with manchester united as well in terms of they're only going to get better under Ten Hag. They're going to sign more players. The takeover potential 
um, could maybe scupper these plans. So that means Arsenal could potentially be interested to maybe miss out on the top four as, as a part of regression. Um, because, like I say, you look back over previous seasons, Man United have been a real constant theme, um, finishing second under Mourinho, second under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and then following that up with um, sixth place, place finishes because of overperformance. So, um, yeah, just an interesting little thing that I, I found that I just thought was really interesting worth bringing up um, potential future play for the following season. Fulham, relegation, Arsenal, miss out on the top four. Brilliant research. Great stuff. You just d- dug that up. You just dug deep into the numbers in between putting your daughter down for naps. It's, it's very <laughs> impressive the way that you multitask. And it's all applicable. Um, we can apply it to our approach uh, heading into next season as well. Um, it hasn't all been a case of misreading the scenario for us this season. I think we've done quite well in areas. Uh, we, we've been profitable all season long, 2023, especially after the two, turn of the new year. It, it's been great. Our Brentford home plays. I think we were ahead of the trend on Brighton. I certainly was ahead of the trend on United finishing in the top four. I do have a future play there. And you were ahead of the trend with Spurs as well. Fading Spurs and fading Arsenal in the end. Um, Both suited me well. And um, those are just some of the things that kind of stand out over the course of the season. Anything else stand out for you? Um, not well, the forest pick that I said earlier, um, from the start of the season, I was, I wouldn't say I was bullish on them staying up, but I just felt that, that, you know, all the signings that were made at the start of the season, that they would start slowly and they would find a bit of form because I thought I felt like they did sign enough quality to survive. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Newcastle I was fairly high on them from start from early on in the season, just because their underlying data was pretty staggering uh, and Liverpool fading Liverpool as well. We were both on that in terms of, just their defensive numbers they were putting up were absolutely abysmal. So, um, yeah, good. And, you know, can't forget Chelsea, can we? I mean, they've been free money for the last couple of weeks, haven't they, since they brought Lampard in? Um, they've just been giving away <laughs> money. Um, uh, just back against them every single week. You can be a profitable... Well, it, it's, it's not just the results. I feel like the totals have been um, using the, the data on InfoGoal and... Uh, using our research, it, the, the totals have been the ones that have stood out to me more than the results. I'm not sure about you over the season. I feel like I'd be making way more plays when it comes to uh, bets on the total than the actual results. Yeah, I'd say so. I think there's been a lot of overs-unders that have been played, um, a lot more than outright wins. There's been quite a yes. few Asian handicaps, uh, plus mm-hmm. 0.5, double chance. Um, you know, When we get a an, an underdog like a Brentford at home to Liverpool or whatever, that's been a very profitable play and, and one that I think will probably continue next season as well. So something to keep an eye on there. All right, let's dig into our feature five and go rapid fire for the final five. Each and every one of the 10 games is going to be played simultaneously on Sunday. Last week, I mean, there was upsets. Nottingham Forest beat Arsenal with an implied <laughs> probability of 18.9. Uh, Villa Liverpool draw an implied probability of 20%. Renford to beat Spurs started the day with 27.1 implied probability. Again, fading Spurs, uh, it's been free money as well. Heading into the final game of the season can oftentimes be dicey. Most of the team's not really playing for quote-unquote anything. Um, how much do you shy away based upon context versus, you know, the data's all there, the trends have been set. Um, so what do you lean upon heading into this final week, Jake? 
Uh, it's difficult. It really is. Um, the, the final week, I, I do find the rather than expected goals, it's expected momentum or motivation that's kind of comes to the fore. I generally, one of my things that I will always look for and I will always do is I will always wait more towards the home team because when it comes to the final two match weeks of the season, you do, well, when it comes to like a, a dead rubber, if you like, the home team is always up for it because it's the final home game. They want to put on a show for the for the fans before they go off from the summer. So I always wait the home teams slightly more in the last two games of the season um, just for that reason exactly. And you do see when teams get safe. We've seen it with Wolves. Uh, we've seen it with a couple of other teams this season when they are safe. When it comes to playing away from home, they just don't show up. They show up when they're playing at home. Like Wolves won four uh, four in a row at, at home and drew the last, I think they've lost five out of six away from home. So, um, you know, they, they do not quite throw the towel in, but they don't play at wow. the same standard. So that, that's one thing. And then obviously motivation is is another. It's just trying to figure out how much weight you put into that when it comes to the pricing. So you'll see, we'll go through the the the, the, the matches soon, but like Everton, minus 208 to beat Bournemouth. And that's <laughs> yeah. just purely because they have to win. There's no yeah. other logic behind that. And, you know, they have to win and Bournemouth don't. That's that's why it's artificially short. And that's the, they're the tricky games, I find. Um, those kind of ridiculous price ones where, you know, it is it is just all about the book is saying, well, they need to win and they don't, right? Make them really sure. That, I, I that's, will, what, that's what I stay away from, generally. I will I will say this weekend, there are some dog home sides. And I'm not talking about underdogs. I'm talking about just woof, woof, like bad teams uh, playing at home this week. And it's a perfect place to start in our feature five. It's Chelsea and Newcastle. Uh, Chelsea <laughs> uh, are, have played Manchester United at Old Trafford before we record this on Thursday. So anything that we provide does not include that upcoming game. No clean sheets for Chelsea in their last nine games prior. They have a ton of injuries at the back. James, Chilwell, Cucurella, go across the board. I mean, this team, good thing they have about 30 players in them because (laughs) the injury list is a lengthy one to finish the season. No wins at home at Stamford Bridge in their last six. Uh, They can only finish as high as 11th. Only 36 goals scored in 36 games, 15th in terms of home points, and 19 home goals scored is 17th in the Premier League. It's just wild. Only Everton and Southampton have scored less. For Newcastle, uh, Champions League football, uh, check. It's it's mission accomplished for Eddie Howe's side after their goalless draw against Leicester City. They haven't lost in three. Uh, four of their five last games um, have been at home, so they go away here to finish the season. And they've gone over two and a half in seven of their last nine, over uh, 2.4 in terms of XG, according to InfoGoal, in five of their last six games as well, so they continue to create create chances. Both teams, the scorers played in five of their last seven. They have the third best away record on the season. Uh, Nick Pope and Joe Linton are out this weekend. Head-to-head, Newcastle won the reverse fixture 1-0, and they played to under the two-and-a-half goal total in six of seven. There is a big, fat plus number for a Newcastle victory here today. I just... I don't know how anyone in the right mind can back Chelsea, even if they're playing at home to finish this season. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. I know that we're in alignment here. We have to be. We are. Yeah. Um, without a shadow of a doubt, it, like we've just spoken about, just fade Chelsea at any opportunity. I mean, we'll get a bit 
occasionally by taking this angle because Chelsea have got good players. You know, they've, they've got quality in the team that can win on any given Sunday. But yeah, th- this is a real mismatch when it comes to the teams and the data and everything. It's just a case of will Newcastle turn up? That's the only... That's the only, you know, nagging doubt, if you like. Um, winless in six at home, Chelsea. They won, the only win came against Leeds, which everyone seems to be beating them. Um, one win in seven under Lampard, so he's doing a great job. Um, average 1.1 expected goals, 1.7 expected goals against per game in that time. So they are a true bottom half team. I mean, Lampard's literally taken his Everton form to Chelsea, which is, yeah. it takes some doing, given there's a big upgrade in player quality. Um but yeah, and you know Newcastle, they did, they did stumble over the line when it comes to the top four, a couple of draws against Leicester and Leeds. Um, but you know, I fully expect them to play freely in this this game. You know, the, the pressure's off. They can play with a bit of swagger. Um, they can end Chelsea's season with an absolute whimper. Uh, and you know, they, at the end of the day, they continue to create a ridiculous amount of chances in attacking areas to Newcastle. I know they, they were held by Leicester, but they racked up over two point six xG in that game and. Across the last seven in the league, they've averaged three expected goals four per game, which is ridiculously high. Away from home in the last six, it's at two expected goals four per game. So they will create chances if they turn up. Um, and that if factor is the only thing that's putting me off taking Newcastle to win the game outright. So instead, I'm taking Newcastle plus naught on the Asian handicap, minus 112. So draw no bet, money back if the end ends in a draw, which you know I don't think Newcastle are going to lose. It's just a case of how much beer they drank between Monday and Sunday. Yeah. I um, I put down the exact same thing. I put down Newcastle on the Asian handicap, draw no bet at minus 112 as my first play, but I'm tempted to play it at plus 158. I wonder, I think some will depend on how Chelsea fares on Thursday against Manchester United, if and how this number may move, but I'm fine with locking in at minus 112 or an outright win at plus 158 if you want to Play, make a play for a little bit more juice. I'm fine with either of them. The, the total in this game is set at 2.75. Um, Chelsea, the state of their uh, their, their back four uh, means I can't back uh, an under, which Chelsea um, to the under has been absolutely printing money as well. So I'm just going to stick with the result in this one. Um, so the preferable play, the safe play, Newcastle on the Asian handicap. Uh, but I, I wouldn't uh, dis- try to persuade you not to go all in with the Newcastle outright victory in this game. Uh, let's just move forward. Enough of Chelsea. I'm not going to miss having to talk about Chelsea on this podcast. <laughs> Moving forward, hopefully uh, better fortunes come their way next campaign. You mentioned the team's name in, in the last segment here. It's Leeds and Spurs. Leeds need a win and help in order to stay in the Premier League next season. A win with both Everton and Leicester City losing would do the trick, as would a three-goal victory for Leeds over Spurs in this game, combined with an Everton draw and a Leicester City loss. Um, They need a minor miracle, basically. Yeah, I mean, are they going to beat Spurs by three goals? I mean, it is Spurs after all, I guess. Yeah, absolutely could happen. Could Leicester City lose? Could Everton draw? Sure, but... I mean, a lot needs to go their way. They need they need to win and they need some help here. Uh, they scored first, but lost 3-1 against West Ham. Uh, it was a big blow to them losing that game. And a big Sam and his reputation as well as his pocketbook. Uh, no wins in eight for Leeds. No clean sheet. In the last 14 games, they played over the two and a half total of nine of 10. Both teams' scores played in 10 of 10. And they've conceded the most goals at home over the season with 33. 
As for Spurs, they need to win and they need some help to finish in the top seven, which would give them European football next season. Wild. They could finish below Brentford in ninth if things don't go their way this weekend. Back-to-back losses at Villa, at home, and to Brentford after scoring first. I mean, one of the lone bright spots, and it might not be for much longer, Harry Kane scored in four straight games. He has 27 goals quietly on the season, I would say. They'll finish behind Holland in second place, uh, but ahead by some margin over players like Tony and Salah. Uh, Spurs have gone over two and a half and seven of eight. Both teams to score has played in nine of 10. They're 10th in away points. 37 goals conceded away is more than Southampton and 16th overall. And they haven't won away in their last seven. They've been absolute dogs breakfast head to head, uh, a four, three win with Leeds winning three times, leading three times in that game, but Spurs pulled it off. It was a great game to watch. Benton Kerr had the late brace in that game to give Spurs the full three points. Uh, Spurs have beat Leeds three straight times. Leeds no clean sheet against Spurs in their last 16, over two and a half in eight of eight, both teams to score in six of eight. Uh, Leeds has been absolutely money in overplays over recent weeks. I'm not sure if that's the direction you go here, or maybe you have a play to do with the result in this game. Um, well, I've got a goals-based play, yeah, but when you're looking at over two and a half goals at minus 198, that is tells you all you need to know about these two teams. They just can't defend. Um, and ultimately, it comes down to the fact that Leeds need to win. So again, we're looking at that need factor. <clears throat> this is the only game, though, which... The bookies have kind of placed the need to win evenly uh, with Spurs are still favourites. Whereas, you know, personally, I would say that the motivation, if we're doing an expected motivation, it would be 65-35 in Leeds' favour because I don't think Spurs are that bothered about finishing in seventh in the Conference League. They might want a free hit with a new manager with one game a week. So um, They, they know, enjoyed the time in the maybe, Conference League a couple of years back, right? Like maybe they want to go back in, back to the dance. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, I mean, there's some there's some really rogue away trips in there. You could end up playing anywhere. But, um, it could yeah. be the new West Ham. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. That com- that competition, I know we're, I'm not saying Spurs are a massive club, but that competition is perfect for a team like a West Ham or a Aston Villa to make that next stepping stone because it gives them experience in the in playing Europe. And obviously you've got the, the big carrot of automatic qualification to the Europa League should you win it. But, um, but yeah, I definitely think that Leeds... Motivation will be higher. So I, I was looking at Leeds to win at plus 177. But I don't. I just think that they are that bad that they'll be able to somehow not win this game. And, and you know, Big Sam's come in. He's supposed to be a defensive-minded coach. They've shipped 2.6 expected goals against per game since he's come in. So that's not worked. Um, you know, they are an absolute shambles defensively. The only thing that's probably in their favour is that they're going to have to not think about defending too much here because they have to win. And like you said, win by three clear goals is probably the realistic chance of of surviving. So they're going to have to go all out. And, you know, that, that for me is why I was leaning towards Tottenham on the over one and a half team total at minus 108. Because I think if Leeds are going gung-ho, that suits Spurs to the ground. Like we know for the last four or five years, they just love counter-attacking football. And if they've got the opportunity to do that with Kane and Son against this team that's already bad defensively and now they're going to be throwing even more bodies forward, leaving themselves even more exposed, then Tottenham could have a bit of a field day and score a couple of goals. 
Um, I'm pretty sure Harry Kane will probably, I know he's not going to catch Haaland, but he might have an eye on getting to 30 goals as a little bit of a, of a target for himself. Uh, they've not got anything to worry about next week, so I can't see them resting anybody. And we've seen that, you know, they, they've got the capabilities to do that when tra- travelling. I mean, they, they went to Anfield recently, scored three times. Uh, they scored twice against Man United as well. So against better teams than Leeds, they managed to hit the net twice. And this is a, it's almost it's just a free hit, isn't it? No one really cares what happens in this game for Tottenham. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be high scoring. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a 2-2 kind of game. Um, but yeah, I just thought there's a bit more value in taking Spurs to score twice, given what Leeds have put up defensively and the way the game state is. I missed you, pal. The exact same, same thing. Bet. Spurs <laughs> over the goal total, one and a half and minus 108. In their last four games, Leeds have conceded four, two, two, three. The Spurs team, the problem isn't attacking. It's not Kane and company. It's just defensively, they're an absolute mess. But Leeds are even worse from a defensive perspective. So this might be my best bet of the week. Spurs goal total over, like in this game. I just who can trust Leeds when you watch them play? Just it's it's amateur defending. Them in Leicester City, they're they're they find themselves where they're at for a reason. It's just what they do from a defensive perspective is just absolutely awful. So yeah, let's yeah. go Spurs over their goal to over their goal total. Just score two. That's it. Yeah, should should be easy against a team like Leeds, uh, especially if Leeds are chasing the game. Right? If 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 it's level and they need to go on and win, they're going to push numbers forward, leave themselves even more exposed. So love that play. Yep. Uh, let's talk. Anything else there? Sorry, you looked like no, no. That's that's it. Um, yeah, I think I think Leeds. We have them around a ninety-seven percent chance of going down. So they do need a bit of a minor miracle to uh, to make that happen and, and survive. And yeah, I, I like I say, I think the game state is perfectly set up for a really difficult afternoon for Leeds and, and Spurs to potentially score quite a few goals. Same thing goes for Leicester City. I mean, they're a little bit more likely to stay up and need a little bit less help than Leeds, but still it's going to be difficult this weekend as Leicester City take on West Ham. Both in 2003, both Leeds and Leicester went down, and that looks to be the case this time around as well, 20 years later. Leicester City need a win and an Everton loss or draw um, in order to stay up. They're coming off a goalless draw at Newcastle, which goes against the grain for a team that ships lots of goals. Um, in fact, Leicester City, for whatever reason, hasn't been able to score in back-to-back games. They play better competition, but still, this is the team there where their attacking process hasn't generally been the issue. No wins in five. They played to over two and a half in five of seven. Both teams to score in five of seven. Only Southampton has fewer home points than Leicester City 16 on the season. They're playing at home as well. And West Ham, they're finishing the season strong in European competition as well as in league play. They're safe. They beat Leeds 3-1. Um, however, they've lost three straight games away from home in the Premier League. Then on the season, they, this is why they find themselves so far down in the table. 3-3-12 away from home on the season is 17th overall in terms of away form. And 15 away goals scored is 18th in the Premier League. Head-to-head, Leicester City actually won the reverse fixture 2-0. Madison and Barnes scoring. (laughs) That would work well for them again this weekend if they could pull it off. West Ham, no clean sheets in four. They played to over two and a half in seven of eight, and both teams to score is played in seven of nine. Look, there's some real talent in this Leicester City side, but they just look like a ragtag bunch that seemingly have no chemistry and cannot come together and play a complete game of football. Does that carry on this weekend? And what's going to be the deciding match for the Premier League fate? 
So this this is a game I said at the start, I don't want to get involved with teams that are artificially short. This is a big caveat though, because West Ham, um, remember I said about teams that just throw in the towel away from home? West Ham are one of those teams. Mm-hmm. You factor in that and the fact that they've got a Champions League, uh, sorry, UEFA, Europa Conference League final, so they will not be taking chances with players. They'll be trying to keep them fully fit. I think this is a really good spot for Leicester to get a win. Um, I think Leicester minus 107 is is the play I'm going to make. So, as I said, Leicester need to win. Um, West Ham, they've been a joke away from home recently, like that, and that's been polite. They've conceded nine goals in the last three outings, 9.1 expected goals against. So three expected goals against per game is what they've averaged. Survival secured before that. So they you know, they, they knew they were safe and it was kind of, oh, you know, focus on the Europa Conference League. We want to win our home matches. I think they beat Man United, didn't they? They obviously beat Leeds. Um, but yeah, many changes. I'm expecting many changes. I don't expect to see Rice, Bowen, Antonio, you know, maybe for half an hour cameos at the end just to keep them fresh. Um, but yeah, Leicester, I think they've got a great chance. I mean, bar two matches against Liverpool and Newcastle, so the two of the top five, they've actually created a lot of chances under Dean Smith. 3.3 expected goals at Fulham, 3.1 home to Everton, 2.3 at Leeds, 2.9 against Wolves, and even two expected goals away at Manchester City. So they've averaged 2.1 expected goals for per game since Dean Smith took over. So they are creating a lot of chances. And I think that stands them in really good stead here. Obviously, the defence is a massive question mark. But given that only a win will do, all-out attack performance is expected. And I just think that they'll have... Uh, they'll be playing a very demotivated West Ham team, a team that will not be even considering, um, you know, playing it to their max capacity, unless there's some bad blood between the teams that we don't know about. That's the only massive caveat. If, for whatever reason, West Ham hold a grudge, over, you know, about Leicester for something... That's the only reason why I would expect them to turn up and play hard here. But otherwise, I think it's going to be a little bit of a, just a bit of a run out for West Ham. Um, so yeah, I, I think Leicester at minus one or seven. The, the out of, you know, you've obviously got Everton. Um, they're ridiculously short. But I'd say that Leicester are in a similar position to Everton in terms of the playing against a team that have nothing to play for. And, you know, are, I'd probably say Bournemouth are more likely to spoil Everton's party than West Ham Leicester. So um, yeah, I, I think that price is is fair given everything that, that I've discussed there. And it, it's a brave man to back this Leicester team to win because they have been extremely unpredictable. But I just think this is a good opportunity to try and do that. Uh, on that, for a lot of those reasons, um, is why I like the over 2.75 at minus 114. Um, because Leicester City cannot defend whatsoever. And West Ham, just in terms of these fixtures uh, going up against one another, the overs played in seven of eight, and both teams have scored in seven of nine. And this West Ham team is still very good at set pieces. Um, I, I see there being some benefit here um, to, to betting the total in this game. Uh, again, Leicester City needs to chase it. Um, I, I understand your play. With Leicester City in the over total, uh, or sorry, the, and, and the outright win, but I'm just looking at the number. Leicester City all season long have very seldom betrayed me in terms of betting the over, <laughs> and I think they're going to bring it home this week. And you documented they're creating chances and defensively. I know Danny Ward was a nightmare. Everson's been a nightmare. It's just been a mess at the back. And West Ham, even if you know 
they're, they're not pushing on and taking this game seriously. I still think they have enough in the team to score in this game. And oftentimes that happens uh, in games like this at the end of the season. So I, I like, I like over the total 2.75 at minus 114, but I, I, I like the, I still like the over in this game regardless. So I, I like the over as well. That was going to be my second favorite play. Just, yeah, he's, it's got all the hallmarks of going to be a really entertaining end-to-end match. Um, I do think it was interesting, obviously, you know, on Monday night, the, the team that Dean Smith picked was very defensive, rested um, a lot of his stars, attacking stars, and obviously that was to try and get a result at Newcastle, but I think also maybe had one eye on keeping them fresh for this um, and just making sure that they were fully fit and raring to go. So the likes of Barnes and Madison did start the game, so they, they should be 100% ready to go and, and beat West Ham. And, I think if they beat West Ham, they'll have a decent chance of staying up. Because um, Everton, I mean, we'll get onto them in a minute, won't we? But they, you know, they they have the capability to really, really make a mess of things here. Uh, by the way, in terms of the futures plays on Pinnacle, Everton to be relegated is still available at plus three hundred one. If anything that Jake said about Leicester City um, makes sense to you. That might be where you find some real true value here this week. And we'll get to them in a few moments. Uh, carrying on in our feature five, it's Aston Villa and Brighton. Uh, two of the feel-good stories of this Premier League season. Aston Villa on course for European football. Uh, coming off a 1-1 draw at Liverpool. A win over Spurs before that. It's been an impressive closeout to the season. Unai Emery's done a great job. One of the top managers, no doubt, in the Premier League um, no clean sheet in four, however, for Villa, but they have played to under two and a half in five of six. Brighton are coming off the one-one draw against Manchester City on Wednesday, which congratulations secured them Europa League football next season. Crazy to think with the changes of manager, some players going out, that this side continues to improve and make over a hundred million dollar profit on player sales in the process. Um, they're the standard. In terms of at least this season, whether it's sustainable going forward, we shall see. Deserby deserves every bit of the credit that Unai Emery does in terms of the way that he's managed taking over a side and making them better. Uh, Brighton, the fourth best away side in the Premier League, second most away goals scored with 34. However, no clean sheets in their last three. They played to over two and a half and four or five in both teams of scorers play has played in four or five. Head to head, think about how long ago they played. Danny Ng scored a brace in the game. Won the game for Villa. He's not even there anymore. 2-1 happened right before the World Cup. Uh, Villa haven't lost to Brighton in five, and Brighton no clean sheet in their last four. So Brighton have have had a fixture buildup here over recent weeks. They played a lot of games in a short period of time. And Aston Villa could be a big result if they can pull one off this weekend. It's hard to bet against Brighton, though, is it? Isn't it? Like, I don't care... You know, on how little rest this team is deep, they're talented, and their style of play makes them a perceived favorite almost every time that they hit the field. So it's a difficult one here. Where are you going with this? Yeah, everything you said there is, you know, any other week, you know, I'd be nodding along in agreement. But uh, I just, I think this is another one where we can take advantage of, you know, the motivation, the fact that. Um, that teams will like Brighton will probably be on the beach figuratively and not, maybe. but you know, they've, they've had such a, a massive achievement in midweek. We wouldn't be surprised to see a couple of groggy heads on on Sunday and um, put off the gas almost because they've done their job and they Villa can't catch them. Um, and 
the other thing we've seen from Brighton lately is they've thrown in some really odd performances, really bad performances as well. It's obviously lost to Nottingham Forest away from home. Conceded 2.8 expected goals in that one. The Everton game at home, which was hugely surprising, three expected goals against. And then Newcastle away, 4.2 expected goals against. So they're generally quite a consistent team, but they have started throwing in a few really, really dodgy performances. And uh, I do wonder if that's you know, likely to be the case again here with just a little, you know, the lack of motivation and um, the fact that quite a few of them probably either A, want to keep themselves fit for a potential transfer in the summer. They don't want an injury to ruin that. Um, but also, you know, they, they've done their job. And I think Aston Villa, not only have we got Brighton that potentially could throw in a dodgy performance, Villa have been very solid at home recently. Um, you know, they, they've, they were the better team at Anfield, which I thought is not many teams can do that. They won the XG battle 1.5 to 1 in that game. And they've won six home games in a row. They've averaged 1.7 expected goals for 0.6 expected goals against per game in that run. So that, that's a phenomenal process when it comes to um, playing uh, uh, as hosts. And, and only Tottenham have generated more than one expected goal. So they're a very solid defensive team, Villa, especially at home. Uh, and yeah, they know a win secures them European football. A draw could given results elsewhere but I you know you don't want to take that chance when you've got a home game against a team that really isn't playing for anything right now so I'm taking Villa to win uh, at plus 10 let's move a little bit plus 102 just shortened a little bit from plus 106 I think it will carry on shortening because yeah that this is where the you know the need to win and the motivation will continue to shorten the price um but I think we've also got to factor in that Villa are a good team you know it's not like a yeah. It's not like it leads a host in Brighton here. It's Villa who are effectively ready to play in Europe next season, um, and they do deserve a little bit of a bit more credit in the bank uh, than that price probably suggests, given the the potential non-interest of Brighton. So yeah, I'm taking Villa to win. Um, they're a good team, Villa, are, but they're not as good as Brighton. This is going to be the first time that we're on opposite sides of this. Okay. Like, look, I don't think it's in Deserby's mentality to just go pack it in for the last game of the season. This team has continued to bring through young players like Duncan Webster didn't play on the weekend. They just played Colwell and Van Hecke at, at, at the back. Like there has been rotation and it's that next man up mentality. And when you have so many young players just proving themselves in the league, I, I don't think that they take games like this for granted. And one thing I know about young people as they get older, <laughs> they don't party like the old group do they don't they don't young kids don't party anymore at all um at least as hard or for as long so i think brighton can go to villa and come away with something here i think they can win i outright that's not my play i'm gonna bet on the handicap uh plus half a goal at minus 115 so a win or a draw that's the play there i haven't locked in this number yet because i think that you might get a little bit more juice on this because like you said that motivation factor. I think a lot of people will back Villa for that reason, but I just think that this Brighton team, it's not in their DNA to just kind of roll over and just mail one in here. Um, There are some teams, I think it applies West Ham. Sure. I I totally get that this Brighton side. I just, I I just, I've seen too much of them to think that they might just like um, intentionally lay an egg or unintentional, however you want to look at it. I just don't think that it's going to play out that way. I think it's going to be a good game. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. But the other thing I would ask to add to that is 
we're starting to see a little bit of a trend with Brighton in the sense that <clears throat> when they play against teams that play a deep line block and try and counter-attack, those teams tend to have a bit of joy. But when they're playing against teams that are effectively big six teams or teams at the top end of the table, Brighton generally give them a pasting because they are better at doing what you know those, those teams try and do. You know, they've beaten Chelsea, who a team that try and get the ball down. They've beaten Man United, who've done the same. They obviously went to Arsenal and won. They played Man City close the other day. But they've also teams that like Everton who sit back and counter-attack um, that they've beaten them. Forest have beaten them. Spurs who sit back and counter-attack have beaten them. And I think Villa are quite happy to sit back and counter-attack in the way in which they've got um, those players. So, you know, Ollie, you know, Ollie Watkins is a great runner off the shoulder. He'll be looking forward to playing against Brighton's higher line. Um, so will ba- Bailey and, and, you know, the midfield, I think, are quite happy to sit in there and play those <clears throat> really fast passes to turn turn Brighton around. So, I think it's in general, even if it was a full strength Brighton team and not full strength, but a full, fully motivated Brighton team, I still think it's a very tricky game for them because of the the playing styles and and for as, as good as Deserby is at creating unbelievable free flowing football, there is no disruptor in world football. Well, there probably is a couple, probably Mourinho in there as well. But like Unai Emery, who can come up with a game plan to really nullify um a really strong attacking team. So obviously if if Brighton were fully motivated, the price on Villa would be a little bit bigger. They probably would be slight outsiders, but I still would be favouring um, probably a pro Villa play based on that. All right. Uh, so we're on the opposite sides of that one. The final game <coughs> of head. Feature 5 had to add one last, one it? final yeah. head-to-head. I'll, give I'll, you a chance you down, to draw so, level. Yes. Yeah. I'll give you That's a chance it. to draw level there. All right. Done. Uh, a four-two win in my favor at the end of the season. I'll, I'll take that as a badge of honor. <laughs> yeah. The three-three draw. We have to carry it over to the Champions League podcast. Right, done, <laughs> done. That's upcoming. The UCL uh, betting blueprint, um, or, or or perhaps it's a play in the FA Cup final. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, well, let's move this forward because one of the teams featured in the FA Cup final. They're playing at home on Sunday, a place where they've been excellent, exceptional over the course of the season. It's Manchester United and Fulham. Now, we're recording this podcast before United-Chelsea on Thursday. All Manchester United need is a point to qualify for the Champions League for next season. Get in, Man Man United. It's been a great season for Eric Ten Hag. Surprised he wasn't included in the finalists, top six for manager of the year, because I think he's done an exceptional job and the team's taken a huge step in the right direction. Um, Before Thursday, back-to-back wins with a clean sheet over both Wolves and Bournemouth. Um, Their last five games have gone under two and a half. Eight goals conceded at home. That's it. It's it's the fewest in the Premier League. The next fewest, 14. Uh, 13-3-1 and one ahead of Thursday. And like I said, just need a point to qualify for Champions League football. And they can finish <laughs> with the second best home record overall um, with a couple wins here down the stretch. Fulham, top half finish. Well done for Marco Silva and company. Coming off a 2-2 draw with Palace. Mitrovic is, is back and firing. Uh, three straight wins and nine goals in their last three games. Fulham being a great overplay. A little bit of a swoon 
over the last few months, but they're back at it where they were for the first half of the season as of late. <clears throat> Seven away wins on the season for Fulham. It's the sixth most in the Premier League, and 22 goals conceded away is the fourth fewest. Those are sneaky good numbers for Fulham. Head-to-head, Garnacho scored a late winner in a 2-1 victory at Craven Cottage. And in the FA Cup, it's when everything kicked off and Mitrovic was suspended and uh, United won that game. 3-1 was the final. Uh, United haven't lost to Fulham in 16. 16. Uh, no clean sheets, however, for United in their last four. Fulham, no clean sheets in 16. And they've played to over two and a half in seven of eight. Both teams to score <laughs> in seven of eight. All right, United, Thursday, Sunday. They're playing in an FA Cup final. We'll see if they already qualify for the Champions League, what that means. So how do you feel about this game? Yeah, this is a this is a tough one for me. Um, like I obviously, like I said, we're recording this on Thursday before the match. I fully expect United to have sewn up Champions League football on Thursday. Um, I, I just think they're going to rest players in this match for the FA Cup final. They're already missing Rashford with an injury. Um, there's no reason to risk anyone else, is there really, Fernandez or Casemiro or any of those kind of players? So. Yeah, I've got no bet in this. There's there's nothing that took my fancy. I think there's too many question marks for me about around Man United to be looking at backing them on a handicap. Um, Fulham have shown that they're finishing fairly strongly this season. So I was tempted by a, a pro Fulham play. Um, but yeah, I, I, and you know the goal line is set really high at 3.25. And you've just said there United's defensive record is sensational. So if anything, I'd be siding with the unders in that as a potential play under 3.25, but no official bet from me. It's it's your favorite chant, under, <laughs> under. It's under yeah. three at plus 108. I'm going to bump it down to three at plus 108. Like this United team, they can't score goals. If it's not Marcus Rashford, who is it? And they can control games at home. Fulham have had a great season. Talk about being demotivated. It was their final hurrah, if you will, playing at home at, at the cottage. Now you're going away. It's a day out. I mean, there's no expectations there. And for United, it might be like more of a you know celebration and a look ahead for them. Celebration of a of a of a mission accomplished, finishing top four in the Premier League, as well as showing some concern, look ahead for the FA Cup final as well. Um, so under three, I, I I like that play a whole lot as well. So I can see it finishing 2-0, 1-0, like these recent games that they played. So, I yeah, I love this play, actually. Under three at plus 108. Uh, let's go rapid fire for the remaining games. Everton, fittingly, finding themselves in the rapid fire section of this podcast because We've kind of glossed over a lot of what they've done this season because it just hasn't been good enough. Can Sean Dyche keep them safe? I mean, Jake Osgathorpe thought it was a lock. They played Bournemouth this weekend. A win and Everton survive. A draw and Leeds winning by fewer than three and Leicester City draw or a loss would do it as well. So Everton, no clean sheets in five. Uh, They played to over two and a half and both teams to score in four or five. Bournemouth, uh, No clean sheets in four, but they have won four straight games against Everton, including two victories over Everton this year. One in the Premier League, 3-0, and one in the the EFL Cup, 4-1 was the final. Are Everton in trouble this weekend? They're playing at home at Goodison. What do you make of this? Uh, Potentially. They they potentially are. um, 
I mean, they're, they're definitely the team that I would I would least want to back at the prices. That is for sure of the three. Um, you know, like we said, Leicester minus one hundred seven leads a big plus number, and Everton are minus two hundred eight. There, there's just real. You know, that that price is just too short to get on board with. Bournemouth have they, they secured survival and their performances since haven't been great. You know, they weren't bad against Chelsea, a little bit unlucky to lose 3-1. Away at Palace, they were shocking. Um, and against Man United, they weren't great either. So that that bodes well for Everton. Um, but by the same token, this is an Everton team that have not performed very well um consistently anyway. They've had a couple of sparks, haven't they? A couple of flashes against Brighton, they were really good. But by the same token, a little bit fortunate. You know, they expected goals total with 3.4 to 2.9 in Brighton's favour. Um, yeah, either side of that, they've been really, really poor. Again, away at Wolves, probably deserved the three points, but that, I guess, game state comes into that, absolutely peppering the goal. So, yeah, I think the fact that this is at home has me a little bit more confident about Everton getting the, the win. But again, I wouldn't be backing them at that price. And to be honest, there's there's no bet that I like the look of here at all. I'm happy to just swerve it all together. Um, whether Bournemouth are, are going to be motivated to relegate Everton effectively and put in a performance, perhaps. But I'm not willing to put any money on that, unfortunately. So I will be having a watching brief at this one, I think. Um, yeah, and like you said, for, for, for the future play, I'm hoping Everton survive because I, I did say that Sean Dyche would keep them up. Um but for a little bit of jeopardy, it would be nice if Bournemouth perhaps took a lead and gave the other two a bit of a chance. And I think that can happen. By the way, Calvert-Lewin not playing this weekend doesn't sound like it. Has he ever played this season? No, but it's part one of the in, problem. Mm. Part of the problem. Like it's, I, I know they're creating chances, but I don't think that they're much better than Bournemouth. I'm, I know from a data perspective, Bournemouth right at the bottom of the, of the, of the Premier League. <laughs> And the last couple of weeks, it's been a little bit in cruise control, but finish strong. I, I can see that happening. I think Bournemouth are going to give them a right go in this game. I, I, for me, I think the preferred play where I think it's going to end up, I think it could end up in a draw and they keep their fingers crossed um, that, that that the other results don't go their way. A draw could still be good enough for Everton when all said and done. I like Bournemouth on the handicap, to be honest with you. That's my play. Either at plus 1.25 at minus 120, that's playable for me. If you want to buy it down on the Asian handicap, the Bournemouth plus one at plus 113, I'd do that too. If they lose by a goal, you get your money back. I just don't think Everton's a goal better than Bournemouth, even you know with their season being on the line. What, what, like We've been watching this Everton side all year. They're not good. They're not good at all. Like I have a hard time backing them the way they are. Minus two oh eight to win this game. It's it's just one of those numbers. It's like being shifted completely in Everton's favor based upon the context. But when you get down to it, they're not that much better than Bournemouth. So I think they can keep it close in this game. So I do like a play in this game. Bournemouth on the handicap. Uh, Brentford and Man City. I definitely don't have a play for this game. The City haven't lost in twenty five. They played on Wednesday, and they have two bigger games upcoming. So I'm not sure what this means. Uh, do you have a play for this game? Yeah, I'm taking Brentford on the handicap. <clears throat> so that's plus 0.5. Plus, plus a half, yep. I, that, yeah. I had that down as my preferred play if I did make one, but I'm just going to stay away. Yeah, we're, we're getting minus 101, which I think is a um, a very backable price. I and mean, we've been on the Brentford home train pretty much all season. I don't see a reason to get off, to be honest, because... 
as I said, that the generally teams playing at home, the final game, final home game, they do put on a performance. And Brentford are finishing the season really, really strongly. You know, they, they can still finish seventh as well. So there's motivation to try and win this game because, you know, if if you are right and Brighton drop points against Villa um, and Spurs potentially drop points against Leeds, then the door is open for Brentford to finish seventh. Um, I think I think even a point for Villa would, um, yeah, and a win for Brentford will see them finish seventh because their goal difference is better. Um, but yeah, they, you know, they, that's a, a huge motivation for them. The results and performances have been really good lately. Obviously, just being to Spurs and beat them three um, one. But yeah, they, they they beat them at the Etihad as well, quite convincingly. They've got that going for them. Oh, um, by the way, the the only home loss in the season for Man City was to yeah, Brentford. Brentford. Yeah, which is great. And and at home overall, the record is one nine drawn seven lost two. So they've only Brentford have only lost twice at home. Uh, all season long. So this bet would have won in the other 16 matches. Um, and they've averaged nearly two expected goals four per game and just 1.25 expected goals against per game. So the, the process is the seventh best in the league when, when it comes to playing at home. Um, so they deserve a lot of respect. And obviously, like you said, City have got one eye on the finals. They're trying to complete the treble. There'll be more rotation. There'll be, you know, will they play as hard because they don't want to potentially get injured and miss those games? That all potentially could come into it. Um, you might see quite a lot of subs being made, which can again disjoint things throughout the match. Um, so I think it's a really good opportunity for Brentford to to you know get a win, um, give them a chance of, of European football. Um, that'd be a hell of a way to sign off the season. And I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility at all that that happens. That Brentford do finish seventh. Uh, I give them you know I, I've just done my article for for Sporting Life. I've got Brentford winning two one as the correct score. Um, I, I could see Brentford. Just again, it's another bit of a tactical mismatch. Man City want to dominate the ball, pin you in deep, and Brentford just love playing on the counter-attack and turning you really quickly. We saw that even against Tottenham, who don't like um, dominating the ball. So, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this. I'm, I I think over over here we've got three games on telly right now, the three relegation teams, and I hope that they pick this game as a, as the fourth. I think they've got another slot. Um, I would really like to to watch this just because I do think, I do think Brentford have got a chance. I kind of want them to as well. I think it'd be a hell of a story. Um, I think pre-season, most people had them pre- predicted to finish in the relegation zone. So um, it might even be a better story than Brighton if they were to finish in, this, in European spots. Yeah, I I get your I get everything that you're saying, and I put down Brighton on the handicap at minus one hundred one. I just I can't get there because I think that Holland's going to want to smash in a couple more goals. They'll play probably forty five minutes. He comes off. You have Alvarez. I look at the players who probably won't start in the FA Cup final or the Champions League final. They're Foden and Mares. Like Laporte probably his final game. You bring in Rico, you bring in Go like this team is very, very good. Their second team is good. No Ivan Tony. I know they scored three goals against Spurs last week, but it's Spurs. In recent weeks they've been having trouble, you know, scoring goals, finishing some of their chances. I just can't get there. I just City just being too good across the board. And Pep will remind them that they lost to this team earlier this season. I have no doubt about that. And it's about preparation. I know this game doesn't really mean anything, but the standard needs to be high. You don't want to lose this game and go into the FA Cup final and just say, well, you want to keep those good vibes going. So could very well end in a draw. It could happen. I just, I'm going to just stay away from this one entirely. But I hope all your dreams come true. In this one, let's put it that way. Uh, Arsenal and Wolves, uh, do you have a play in this game? 
Yep, I am taking Arsenal minus one and a half on the handicap at minus one and one. Um, last few weeks, Arsenal have really played like a team under pressure, big time. Um, I know a lot of people don't want to say they bottled it, but they bottled it. They were in a really commanding position. Um, you know, they held all that points gap. They were tuning up against Liverpool and West Ham, threw that away. Uh, lack of experience and also obviously the pressure paying. So now they've got a home game. They're going to get a, a decent applause and, you know, the, the crowd are going to be with them because the, it's been a much better season from what they're used to seeing of late. Uh, I think they'll play with a bit of freedom. You know, they, they've, at home in general, they've been excellent. They've, so I thought last been, week at, at, at Nottingham Forest just... Well, that, I, again, that, that, I thought the pressure was on them there as well. To, to Really? Just to extend it, yeah. Just to make Man City beat Chelsea. Um, but they, they looked like a beaten team anyway before that game. Um, and the Brighton game, I think, was was the end of it for them. I think that this 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 is the opportunity to just kind of end the season on a, on a positive. And like I said, Arsenal been excellent at home. The process is really good. And then you've got Wolves who, they, like West Ham, they are a team that have completely thrown the towel in when it comes to playing away from home. I have no idea what's been going on with them. You know, the last six away from home, they've lost five, including at Leicester. And they've conceded 2.6 expected goals against per game. So they really have just completely either tuned out uh, they got the, got the flip flops ready on the pina coladas, um, you know. And then also, not only have you got this, you know, what's happening on the pitch, but also off the pitch, the reports and the rumours about Lopetegui's future, which is hugely concerning. You'd have to think for the players, for the fans, um, you know, whether he's going to stay or not. So I, I think this is a good spot for Arsenal to finish with a bit of a bang. Um, and like I said, Wolves have been very fortunate to steer clear of the relegation battle um, because their performances have not been good from a data perspective whatsoever. I mean, based on the expected points table, they currently sit below um, Leeds, Leicester, Everton um, based on expected points, which kind of just shows you the levels that they've hit. The process has actually got worse since Lopetegui's come in. The results obviously have got better. So they would be again one to keep an eye on for next season if... if um, if they're a decent price for relegation, because they are performing at that kind of level, um, yeah, I think Arsenal could finish with a, with on a bit of a high um, with a, a couple couple of goal victory. So yeah, I'm taking Arsenal uh, under three point two five and minus one hundred seven is my play. This is Wolves. They played to the under in this fixture for their last five games. No Martinelli for Arsenal. I think the sound that you heard last week at Forest for Arsenal was just the wind completely taken out of their sails, just, just deflated. You know, it'll be a, a nice send off. Congratulations. You didn't win anything this, this season at, at the Etihad or sorry, at the Emirates. Like they didn't win anything like second place. Like, okay. Under one champions league Three. qualification. You get a trophy for that in this country. Yeah. Remember uh, apparently. So <laughs> well done. You exceeded expectations. Under 3.25 in this game. It'll be a very Wolves-ish game. That's what I'm predicting. 3-0 no to I, Arsenal. I, I, that's fine. Well, it's, it's, it'd be a half win. 2-0 then. 2-0. Still we'll taking it under. 2-0 would be perfect. <laughs> Southampton and Liverpool. I have no play here. Southampton have it won in 12. Liverpool haven't lost in 10. But there, just there's, there's no value for me on either side in this game, especially if United wrap up Champions League qualification. On Thursday night, uh, I'm taking Liverpool on the handicap, same as Arsenal. Um, minus one and a half, you're getting even money. 
Southampton are just Southampton, <laughs> aren't they? They're, they're just rubbish, down with a whimper. Um, I think they've lost eight of the last nine. It'd be miraculous if something turned around and they actually, um, you know, they actually got a result here. Um, Liverpool were halted by Villa. They weren't great in that game, but before that, they were on an absolute tear, looking like a machine. Um, the process has been really good across that period. The last eight matches, 2.1 XG, 1.1 against. Um, they'll want to finish strong. I mean, if you remember back to the season where after they won the title, they finished on a run of, I think it was eight wins in a row. They did sneak into the top four that season, but that momentum carried over to the following season where they went and got 97 points. So that, oh. that, I think that's that's something, they're not going to do 97 points next season, but that's something that I think they will want to finish strongly. They'll want to be able to carry that form um, through. And, and you know, I, I think they're still motivated, these players, to, to A, prove that they deserve to start next season or be part of the plans next season. I think they'll make a couple of changes. I think Nunes will come in. I think he'll be a handful. Um, yeah, I think Liverpool will go there and do a number on Southampton. Klopp's not on the bench. It's going to be like all the players that are leaving are going to come. Like I, I can see how this game is going to play out. Samikas no, and Milner and Firmino and like everyone. They, they had that last seat. They had that. I know, season. but they'll do it again. They'll just milk it this because they're playing Southampton. And Southampton, they're going to be saying goodbye to the Premier League, and they might come out and and score a goal. And and I, I'm, there's there's just nothing I like here. About, I'm, I'm I'm staying away from this game. I'm, I just I no I don't want to watch it. I don't want to consume. I want nothing to do with this game. It's avoided all costs. Uh, yeah, I, I think Liverpool win quite handsomely. So Maybe. I'm taking them on the handicap, yeah. Maybe. This, the game screams irrelevant. Um, so I'm just going to buy number 10 out of 10 on my must-watch <laughs> list this weekend. Is um, it really? Has yes. It that low? <laughs> last. Dead last. Um I'd rather, mm. rather watch this game. Palace and Forest. <laughs> well, why not? Because I have a play in this game. Do you, you play in this game? Yeah. Since since you <laughs> since you left, Roy Hodge has taken over and got on a flyer. Yeah, man. I, I I think it goes straight through. Good on Nottingham Forest. I said it earlier in the podcast. Steve Cooper deserves a lot of credit dealing with what he's dealt with and to get through. That's the side I just think they're dreadful. Forest haven't won in eleven games away from home in all competitions. Like and they've somehow survived. Crazy. Somehow survived. Last time they won was at Southampton on Jan 4. Palace yeah. on the handicap point plus or minus 0.75 at minus 115. Palace to yep. win this one. I think they could win by a couple here. Job's yep. done for Forest. So I got a Palace play. And they've been good. And I think they want to play well at home in their final game of the season as well. Yeah, you can double it. I've got the same bet. Um, I think the uh, yeah they they they're going to want to play play well. They have been playing well. They've been creating chances, and obviously it could be a possible second send off for Roy, in which the the players will probably want to turn up and really, you know, give him a, something a nice little leaving gift. Keep him around. Keep him like his, well, even if you put him into like a you know a, a, what a sporting director role or something that might be of interest. Um, I don't know. It just depends where they want to want to go. I mean, the, the Patrick Vieira experiment worked. Oh, yeah. he, he's, really he, he, he's the biggest then, loser out of all of this. I mean, his oh, stock is just yeah. like, I don't even think it's, it's Roy's stock going back through the, Oh, what a great manager. Roy's it's, I don't think it's that. I think it's just yeah. Patrick Vieira had no clue how to play this team. That he used the players in this team. 
No, which is weird because last season he did, um, and they, you know, they they were once they were a team that I did really like the look of coming into this season. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that Vieira, Gerard, and Lampard all their stocks completely crashed now, given that they've been sacked, replaced by proper managers, and uh, or come in and made a situation worse. Um, but yeah, I, I think that this this could be a good opportunity for Palace to get a win, big win. Um, Forest again, another team that's probably been on the cans all week celebrating survival and rightly so and and to be honest i just wanted to um to say well done to the forest chairman and owner i mean he was the only manager uh, the only owner of a club down there who didn't sack the manager and you reap the rewards of that that continuity yeah. is sometimes king um and i personally i know it's if but some maybes i think if southampton don't sack harson will they have a chance going into the last day of the season i don't think they go down the way in which they have um I, you know i think the Whereas Bournemouth, they replaced Gary O'Neill, uh, replaced Parker with O'Neill. We've got obviously Forrest. That, 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 that was that was that was so. that was self-inflicted by Parker. He was asking to get sacked. I mean, oh, a just... little bit, a little bit, yeah. Um, but a lot bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, he did. A, he well, he basically did a, a Conte before Conte. But did, I, 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 I don't know if we're giving too much credit to Mavrinakis because I don't know, just. When you buy 28 players, whether it was him that decided not to sack the manager or someone else, someone made the decision to keep Steve Cooper. And they deserve yeah, who, credit. Whoever so, it was. Whoever that was. Deserves the and, credit, yeah. And, and and don't worry about Southampton. They already have their manager for next season. So <laughs> trying yeah, to make yeah, amends for just what 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 a season. Uh, so yeah. the 10 games done. Uh, we're going, we've gone a little bit long on this podcast. Uh, the 10 games in the books for the final match week of the season. I have one more question, one more bet to ask of you. It's a futures play available on Pinnacle. Does Manchester City win the treble? You can find it in the futures plays. Yes, minus 169. No, at plus 139. Um, does Manchester United or Inter beat City? to stop them from winning the treble. Are you making a play at plus 139? Um, I'm not, no. I'm not. I, I don't think there's enough juice in that price for me. Um, what does it need to get to? Probably plus 150. I might might start thinking about it. I just think the, obviously, you know, it's two finals. They're one-off games where anything can happen. But the the gulf between City and both teams uh, is quite staggering, to be honest. Um, probably more so into than the Man United. So it probably would be United that would upset them. And obviously they've beaten them once already this season. But yeah, that 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 number's a little bit too short for me. Um, they, they've, you know, the schedule's fallen nicely for them, hasn't it, with the Champions League in terms of the final. I mean, they've, they've obviously beaten Man United, Real Madrid and Bayern Munich to get there. Um yeah, for, for a change, things have kind of fallen in their favour and it, it looks a, a very one-sided Champions League final. And then, yeah, Man United's going to be the interesting one because they've obviously already been to Wembley and won a trophy. Um, they, they've beat City. They, they've shown they can set up and frustrate them, but they haven't played City as City are right now um, since the switching formation, the switching tactics with the extra centre-half in there. And um, I think that's going to be interesting. But that, that would be the one where I would suggest that they could potentially halt them. Um, and, you know, that would be a win-win, uh, you know, double win for United, wouldn't it? Because they stop the treble and they win a trophy. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I personally would not be playing on that. I just think that the, the City, in my opinion, are the best team in the world right now, the way in which they're playing. And, um, Bold take there, Jake. Bold take. Well, there's, there's <laughs> no one else, is there, really? Like, 
<laughs> it, it, it's a thin pool right now. Yeah, it, 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 that, that, that's my take on that. D- despite what's gone on over the last decade off the field with Manchester City, that's not on these players. They're a wonderful team of players. They're so good to watch. Um, and they will be a considerable favorite heading into both those games. I, I just go back, like the treble in 1999, that meant something. This treble, just shrug. <laughs> that's how people Sounds like a true Man United fan. That's a, just, I, I wish more people cared about Manchester City, but they don't, unless no, your last name is Gallagher or something like that. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how those games play out. Still to come. Uh, by the way, thank you very much to Andrew Beasley, who's done a great job uh, sitting in for Jake uh, over the course of recent weeks. He'll be back joining us on the Champions League betting blueprint as we look to the final Inter and Man City to be played in Istanbul in a few weeks' time. So you can look forward to that podcast as well. Thank you so much for tuning in all season long. We hope that you made a little bit of a profit as well and had some fun. It's been a great season, honestly. I I love the Premier League. It's the best league in the world. And we hope that you got something out of this podcast on a week-to-week basis. And thanks to my co-host, Jake Osgathor, best in the business. Um, it's a pleasure to work with you. Um, and are you looking forward to next season? Hopefully we can keep the band together and, and, and keep this going. Yeah, let's do that. It's going to be another cracker. Awesome. On behalf of Jake, I am Wheels. Remember, the odds were accurate at the time of recording. And please gamble responsibly. This has been EPL Insights with data provided by InfoGoal.